Yes, folks. It's Thursday, 4 p.m. Sorry, folks. 4 p.m. Central. I'm Fred McMurray, and this is Pillars of Franchising. Pillars, Pillars, Pillars of Franchising. Pillars, Pillars, Pillars of Franchising. Boy, I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed with the way that was rocking through, but we'll play it again. So I'm Fred McMurray, and I'm with my co-host Ray Piller and Elizabeth Denham, the franchise woman. And we got problems today, folks. (laughs) (laughs) We just, we got, I always love when they hit. We got problems, but that's okay. It is what it really is. So Welcome we're to Blog there. Talk Radio. Please hope you'll be able to listen to the show. So as we get ourselves put back into the queue, it is... That feels much better. It is Pillars of Franchising. And again, hello to my co-host, Ray Pillar and Elizabeth Denneman, the franchise woman. How are we doing, Ray? How are we doing, Elizabeth? I'm doing good. It's partly cloudy here in Aurora, Illinois. And the temperature is, well, wow, it went down two degrees in the last couple of minutes. But we're, we're looking at 50 right now. So it's, it's, it's balmy. It's beautiful. It's a little too warm for me, but, you know. <laughs> how about you elizabeth how are things things are good in spanish fort other than a little rain we're hovering around 59 which we think is chilly <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise good day so far ah <laughs> uh, the pillars of weather i love it yes yes now are we going to find out what it, what's going on the to our uh, with our northern neighbors. Uh, well, why don't you introduce our, our our special guest today? All right, I'd like to introduce Robert Bruski, and uh, he is CFO and co-founder of VR Franchising and Control V Virtual Reality Arcade. That's a mouthful. Welcome to the show, Robert. How's the weather up there? What's shaking, everyone? Thanks for having me. The weather here is fantastic. We are at about 45 degrees Fahrenheit, so I'm ready to rock my Speedo and go swimming out at the beach. Um, it's, it's sunny. Look at me. Like I, I feel like it's like I got to get out there and just do some rollerblading or something. There you go. <laughs> so what part of uh, Canada are you located in? So we are in uh, Waterloo, which is about 60 miles west of Toronto, and our claim to fame is the BlackBerry. Uh, remember that phone that has turned recently into a paperweight? Um, <laughs> but since then, we are now, uh, Waterloo is known as Silicon Valley of the North. So it's a massive tech hub. We got a lot of big incubators and accelerators here. Lots of cool stuff going on. Cool. <laughs> Elizabeth. Yeah. Since you're a southerner, you get you got the next question. <laughs> Wearing my sweater in 59 degree weather. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm well, overdressed in California, so it matches. Yeah, you're looking very spiffy today, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in terms of you, you you clearly live in the right place for your your chosen profession. Um, if you're the Silicon Valley of the northern tundra, <laughs> um, have you always been a techie? Um, actually, to be honest, I'm not even really that much of a techie. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm a business guy. That's what I love to do. I love, I love all the aspects of business. Um, and I'm very lucky and fortunate to have business partners who are into tech and who understand, understand stuff like API hooks and JSON and photon and all these words. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that, that's kind of my look at it, right? I, they, they do what they're good at. I do what I'm good at. Mm. 
everybody know about that stuff? <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do this stuff. I don't know if you can see the board behind me, yeah. but they do like equations. <laughs> I walk in, I'm like, oh, hey guys, want a beer? <laughs> you have the perfect name for that. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, what is. <laughs> what is franchising? <laughs> okay, so let me give you a breakdown here. Control V, spelled CTRL, like the the button on your keyboard if you're a Windows user. Um, Control V, it's it's a virtual reality arcade. Okay, um, it's as simple as that. Basically, people pay by the hour. Uh, they come in and they play VR. We've got all types of stuff. We've got games. We've got experiences. We've got puzzles um but it's all in virtual reality um and so we're we're a franchise system now obviously that's why i'm on this uh this show um and uh we are currently the uh largest franchise system in the world in terms of uh virtual reality arcades wow that sounds exciting um is there i mean a lot of people already own some headsets i mean we're actually uh giving some away on the show uh, as fred will tell you so how, is that a competition or is there something special about your uh, VR? Well, I mean, the first thing to note is that not every virtual reality headset is the same, um, mm -hmm. right? Like if, you, if you're looking at something like the HTC Vive, the Oculus Quest, the Oculus Rift, you're comparing these things to Google Cardboard or the Samsung Gear, you're getting mm -hmm. really different experiences. You're getting very different visuals, um, peripheral angles. Um, so yeah, you, you know, for, for the person who doesn't know enough about it, they could just say, oh yeah, there's VR, I can pick it up at Best Buy, but there's, there's a, a vast difference in the different headsets. Um, but more specifically, um, people love to play multiplayer games. You know, even before VR, when they're on the computer playing Fortnite or PUBG or whatever these other games are that they're playing, um, or even back in consoles, like, do you remember when GoldenEye came out for N64? That was like uh, a huge movement in multiplayer gaming. And so um, just because you have VR at home doesn't mean your friends and family have it and the, the novelty kind of fades. But if you're into this multiplayer stuff, regardless how tech savvy you are, you are, you want to come to one of these arcades and experience it. I mean, I could go on for hours pitching about the different technology differences, et cetera, but ultimately um, we're, we're kind of like a retail play, you know, sure it's VR, it's tech, et cetera, but people, People come in here, they love the customer service, they love our attendance, how they help them through this stuff. And it really helps us live out our mission of trying to get VR adopted or immersive technology adopted by the massives um, because there's, there's so many other uses for it outside of just gaming. You know oh, I mean? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to hear about the other uses outside of gaming. But first, I, wanted, <laughs> I was interested in what your demographic is. I imagine this is a lot of younger people. Yeah. Ah, okay. So um, it's it's not really, you know, you know, uh, we thought initially when we opened the demographic would be your stereotypical 18 to 25 year old male gamer. Right. And it, it really isn't, you know, um, the majority of our, of our customers are probably 25 to 45 years old. They're kind of just normal people, people who are done school, have disposable income, a family, you know, maybe live in the suburbs uh, because it really isn't like this, this hyper technology gaming, um, you know, where you have like all this gear and buttons and, you know, it's so simple for anyone to use. Um, so they come in we got, we get a lot of birthday parties, you know, kids in the age range of like nine to 12, maybe. Um, so it's, it's really a, quite a broad gamut of who comes in. So do you hook the parents with the kids? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Actually, you know what happens? Oftentimes a parent will come in with a kid, okay? And then they'll, uh, the, the kid will start playing and will be like, hey, you need to try this. Like, no, 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 no. I don't game. I don't do this stuff. And so eventually they try it and they come out with their jaw on the floor. Next thing you know, they're coming for date night with their spouse. They're bringing their company for a corporate event. Uh, you know, they, they book out like uh, liquor licenses and they'll have like wine here while they're all playing VR. It's it's blast. <laughs> I got to tell you. <laughs> what you need to do is target those painting with a twist women and get them in there for your, your VR gaming. With yeah. their They'll spend a lot of money if you give them a little wine. You know? yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm up for that. I like people. Yeah. Spending, I love wine too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of the things that recently became legalized, and I think it's been legal in Canada for a while, is cannabis. 
So mm. uh, I was just wondering what VR is like when you're stoned. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great question. Um, I'm not the person asked just because I, I don't take any cannabis. Um, and it's mainly because it just puts me out of control. I've tried it before and and I am out. I cannot move. And I, I need to be in control of my surroundings. You know, I can drink bottles and bottles and bottles of Jack Daniels and still try to describe these math equations behind me. But cannabis just <laughs> knocks me over. That's Can't stuff. do it. <laughs> that's great <laughs> uh, wow Ray taking it to cannabis <laughs> I had to bring that out you know because you know I, I, I'm just thinking about it what, what would it be like <laughs> um, when people are playing can they broadcast to uh, places like Twitch or any of the other streaming capabilities that uh, I know gamers online do. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, first our, our system has the ability to have gamers connect with each other so they can talk to each other. They can see each other, whether they're in the same game or in sort of our, our launcher space, um, the control room. Um, but, there's also the capability to broadcast. So uh, we've actually recently deployed a component of our software that allows them to save different clips of them playing. Uh, they can publish it to social media and with different uh, like switches or triggers that we can put on, they're also able to push out to Twitch and things like that. But honestly, most people are so knocked out by how fantastic the experience is. They're like, you know what? I don't need to drink. I don't need to eat. I don't need to talk to anyone. What I need to do is kill these zombies that are right in front of me. <laughs> Wow, cannabis and already toward the zombie apocalypse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm the one reeling us back in. That's yeah. just <laughs> two of Fred's favorite topics. All right. <laughs> so, do uh, again, I'll go back to the, the straight guy for a bit. Um, so, are you using the various uh, game broadcasting channels to market and advertise for either? customers or uh, franchisees you know our our primary like our most fruitful form of marketing is actually word of mouth uh, and, and I, I don't think that's a surprise for any business you know you could see an ad for a burger joint you'll be like okay that's just another burger joint but if your best friend comes in and says listen this stuff is going to fall apart in your mouth then you're going to go try that right so the same thing happens with vr and by no means is control the any type of massive franchise like a McDonald's and um, even VR isn't that adopted by the masses. So we're kind of fighting two battles here. So we've got to take the stuff that's um, got the best ROI, but also gets us involved into the community. That's one of our, one of our core values is being, you know, going out, doing some charity, charitable work, uh, working with nonprofits, getting involved in the community. So we're, that's how we do the marketing, not, not through the streaming, because I mean, if, if you take a look at the demographics that watch streaming, they're very different um, than the demographics you'd find at, you know, the food bank, or the Children's Miracle Network. Um, so I, I'd probably say that's that's primarily where we go. And we got so many initiatives uh, going towards this. It's it, I love it. I love it. So I was wondering, where are you now? Where, where have you uh, franchised? What uh, outlets do you have open right now? So we are in Canada, the U.S., and Costa Rica. So three okay. countries yeah the majority of them are in canada i mean for two reasons we're in canada obviously so right. we're going to start here but it was also uh much easier and much affordable to get the whole uh legal infrastructure with the franchise disclosure documents set up there's no sure. registration states and anything like that so it's like this is the fastest path to franchising boom let's rock and roll sure shake and bake baby <laughs> so, so where are you targeting where do you see your expansion happening next where would you like to grow uh so our target is global domination yeah so i think one of one of the virtually. Uh, most, yeah virtually um that's a little so, scary <laughs> it's gonna be on every corner you know just like at dunkin donuts people are gonna wake up and they're gonna yeah. need their dose of vr <laughs> Um, so our expansion basically, so each, each of our locations has roughly about 16 stations, give or take, depending on the floor plan. Um, and 16 stations typically 
services, a population density of about 200,000 people. So when we look at where we're expanding across Canada and the US, we look at these population centers. Um, you know, obviously we look at the demographics and things like that, but we also try to see, is there enough people there to support the business and more specifically support my favorite topic, which is unit level economics. <laughs> Human level economics. Okay. <laughs> Would you like All to right. expand on that? <laughs> oh, don't give me. Listen, if you ask me questions about unit level economics, I will go for hours. I will stand up and start dancing. I love this stuff. Okay. <laughs> Before we go there, I got to reel us back now to the FDD. Uh -huh. Um. Oh, and looks like fans in San Diego love the Control V. Sorry, yeah, fans in San Diego love the Control V concept. Um, from Thank you, San Diego. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, but back to the FDD. So you used the term. Uh, our opinion is it's the greatest uh, cure known to mankind for insomnia. So given that, what top three items would you recommend a potential franchisee read mm -hmm. first to just see if in the, in their territory? Yeah. So if I were a franchise, I mean, I think it varies from business concept to business concept, but if I were to choose things that are kind of general across different franchise systems, I would say the number one thing you got to look at is uh, the section that talks about the operations manual or the franchise manual where it's got the, uh, the, the different section uh, chapters. That's really important um, because it sort of gives you a preview as to how organized and how structured the franchisor is. Now, I wouldn't say like if you're thinking of franchising your business to sit there and just do everything and wait before you launch. I mean, it's a it's an iterative, iterative and evergreen process that you keep adding towards. But that kind of gives you some uh, some a glance into the franchisor. Um, the other thing that a lot of people look at, and I can't blame them, and I think it's also very important, is uh, the cost structure. You know, the startup costs, so you know uh, where um, where your initial startup money is going, as well as your monthly cost. You know, which sort of gives you a glimpse into unit level economics, which I love, of course. Um, and then finally, you know, I, I like to look at uh, sort of the introductory component where it talks about the mission and the team. You know, this it's it's not a lot of the legal stuff um, because you want to make sure that you have a great pairing, your franchisor and your franchisee. Last thing you want to do is get into arguments. You got to be a team, especially if you have a concept like virtual reality that the greater part of the world may not know about. Well, and to that point, what, who are you looking for in terms of franchisees? What is your ideal franchisee look like in terms of experience with, with technology or experience with business ownership or, or a combination of those things? Who is your team player? Mm -hmm. So um, above all, our, our, our best franchisee is somebody who is passionate about the business, passionate to the point that, you know, they're involved in it regularly. They're out interacting with the community. They want to be working on the floor. They believe in the brand. They're moving out. I mean, if, if you look on our website, we've got 10 sort of components, the DNA of, of franchisors, you, you know, franchisees, you've got to be a leader, an entrepreneur and all that sort of stuff. But the most important thing is to be uh, community sales oriented with some grit and moxie because this stuff just like, it's, it's not easy, you know, it, it, it takes work. Did that answer your question, Elizabeth? Yeah, it did. And, and in terms of community involvement, you talk about that. And I know you're talking about community sales, but you're also incredibly active in the communities in other ways. I mean, mm -hmm. is that something that's a big tie in for you? Yeah, for sure. So we, every November, we work uh, with an organization uh, called Extra Life. I think they're based out of California. I could be wrong. Um, but what they do is they do a 24-hour gaming marathon and gamers all, all over the place can chime in and they raise money and it goes towards the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very brand friendly with us. You know, gaming, kids, uh, it's, it, and you, we do it every November. We get all of our franchisees involved in it and we make this massive push as a corporation um, but or as a franchise system but all of our franchisees are also encouraged to go do do different things so I've, I've got the team here from Waterloo and one of our other franchisees going to a big trivia night night tomorrow that supports uh, hospice initiatives you know there's there's efforts that go towards um, packing hampers at the food bank and um, 
you know, rides to conquer cancer, you know, there's, there's always something to do. And uh, it's, it's good for the soul. I mean, yeah, sure. You could go do it in your control V uniform or, or go network with people. But ultimately if, if it makes you feel good, you're, you're helping people, you can come back to your business. So re-energized and just kill it the next day, you know, just, yeah. just drive. Yeah. Well, and to me, that's a huge component of anything any one of us does. Um, my magazine's issue this month was all about giving back. So I featured women who give back either through their franchise model or outside of it. Um, and our next one is about paying it forward. And some of the things that you're involved in pay it forward as well. So I, I was pretty interested in your, uh, your innovate and inclusion project. Mm-hmm. Um, that rep- does advocacy for underrepresented communities. What, which communities do you focus on? Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, if anyone looks at my LinkedIn, you'll see all the various things that I'm involved in. So with Innovate Inclusion, I'm a board member there. It's a nonprofit that helps specifically uh, black communities, you know, black entrepreneurs uh, to kind of kickstart their business and find the resources that they need, et cetera. Um, I'm also on the board of an organization called One Roof, which is a shelter for at-risk and homeless youth here um, in, in Kitchener-Waterloo. Uh, so I, I try to get involved in as many things as possible that, that can help the community that ultimately supports our business. It's all about. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I just had a thought, and maybe anybody can answer this question, but maybe, Robert, you may know more than any of us. What is the difference with the FDD from... Uh, you know, the States to Canada. Is there any difference? He's reeling it back in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, I mean, does anyone else want to answer it before I just keep rambling? I have no idea. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) He's asking. And I was kind of curious about that too. And by the way, control V is control paste. Yes, it is control paste. (laughs) We needed to get that out earlier. (laughs) Yes, it is. That's right. Very good, Fred. Thank you. U.S. <laughs> difference. Take it away. Okay, so the FDD process in in like the FDDs themselves um, have some small nuanced differences. The way they're organized in the sections in Canada, we do not have an item nineteen, which you do have in the U.S. Um, so with the Canadian FDD, generally, once it's created, it's it's filed federally. I mean, there's different addendums that have to be added to the various some of the provinces, but more or less, it's the same thing filed once covers a country, right? In the U.S., you've got this FDD, you file it, it covers like I think like 36 states. Then there's something like like a handful of states that are registration states. There's six of them that require your trademark to be approved. Um, and then anytime you make like a material change, like an increase in, in your, your franchise fee or, or whatever it might be, you've got to go through this whole process again. In Canada, you just update your FDD and file it again. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And actually, California is one of those really pain in the butt states, but they do make the FDDs available online. Mm. I forget what the link is. So, but we'll put it on the website. So with that, we'll go and pay the bills, as Ray would say. I want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. If you're interested in becoming a community voice on work-life balance, hit the site, linklocalnetwork.com, and fill out the form. Also, I want to remind our viewers, listeners, that they can continue to chat on uh, five of the, uh, five or six of the, sorry, five of the uh, social media platforms, including Twitch. Um, And now, if I hit the button right, we'll take a word for our first sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. How's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com.
And now, we're to The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Woman will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are the Franchise Woman. Join us today at What was the website, Elizabeth? <laughs> Thefranchisewoman.com. Okay. So I, I, will, I will take the next question. Um, how many of your franchise own, franchisees are women-owned? I was going to uh, ask that question. <laughs> um. I, oh I think that's it's, it's a, about uh, three, four, about five of them or so. Out of how many? Uh, uh, so, yeah, so our, our system has 22 right now. I believe okay. nine, 19 of them are, are franchise systems. There's a few that haven't opened yet. So I'd, I'd probably chalk it up to about a third. Okay, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's in line with the numbers, right? Yep, yep. Slightly above, slight, that's about a percent above it's, um, at least in the U.S. What right. is franchisee ownership, female, f- no, sorry, don't, f- uh, franchise female ownership in Canada? Off the top of your head. Oh, God, I have no idea. Honestly, not not even the slightest clue. I'll tell you that for, for us at Control-V, um, we, we try to look for the, the franchisee that is, is the most suitable to our system, you know, uh, that kind of follows our DNA, right? Um, so it's, it's not relevant to us whether they're young or old or male or female or anything. We want to make sure that they're, that they're the best match for us. I'll tell you on a personal level, um, I'll tell you on a personal level, the strongest people uh, I know are women, the most resilient people I know are women, uh, some of the most powerful people I know are women, the most compassionate and empathetic people I know are women. So I I love the concept of getting more women involved, but uh, they need to be involved because of those qualities, because they are strong and resilient and compassionate, not solely because uh, they are women. Um, So we're we're open to, to anyone, really, everyone. Which is good, and more and more women are getting involved in tech. And it's interesting to see. My, I have three children in college, and uh, my daughter, who's a journalist, was actually encouraged to take a coding class, just mm-hmm. because pretty much every child going forth needs to have some of that knowledge these days if they're going to be competitive in any workplace. So I think that's probably going to help more women evolve in that field as well. Don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. Actually, here at our corporate location, um, one of our best performing staff members is a woman. Uh, she's she's in her sixties, and by by trade, she's a, she's a librarian. You know, so I mean, sometimes she's like, "How do I access my email? How do I use my phone?" But at a virtual reality arcade, she kills it. You know, she okay. she she loves it here. She does such a great job. The staff and the customers love her, um, and it's because of her her competency competencies. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. What does it cost to get involved with your franchise? Okay. So let's talk about us dollars then, I guess. Yeah. So uh, end to end, you're probably looking at about spending about two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand um, dollars. It's it's about a hundred thousand dollars that goes into the tangible equipment. So your Vera hardware, your computers, your walls, foam padding, flooring, lighting, uh, you know, reception desk, liability, etc. Um, but there's probably another one hundred and fifty that you need to consider that are um, not tangible, right? So if you th- Think about your franchise fee, your opening day marketing, your landlord's probably going to want first and last month's rent. If you choose to prepay your business insurance on an annual basis, you also want three months worth of operating costs in your bank account, at least to serve as working capital. Um, so that's, that's kind of the short form. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what, what does a, a, a typical uh, facility look like? I mean, uh, are we talking just a bunch of booths or, or is there, you know, some nice ambiance involved? Yeah. Okay. Our facilities look so rad. Like you just got to check them out. Um, so typically, I mean, we try to aim for a long rectangle, but it doesn't always happen. Right. Um, and I mean, if you go on, on the Google and search some photos on Facebook, or there's even some locations that have a virtual walkthrough, you can see that these are, these are booths, cubicle style booths. Uh, they're 10 by 10. So about a hundred square feet. Um, and you know foam on the floor foam on the wall uh but from from a gamer's perspective they don't really see that they see that their eyes are covered right um but when you walk in there's fantastic ambiance all of our lighting are, is blue people oftentimes compare it to uh tron um but the great thing about what we've done at least the team here the, the dev team um which by the way is is headed up by ryan brooks i gotta give him a, sh a shout out because him and his team just kill it um they've managed to integrate all of our lighting based on it I say some words here i may not I, I completely understand but ip addresses <laughs> um so that these these lights can change color as people you know Required. So if, if you need a hand, right, and you press the help button, or we call it, I need an adult, uh, the lights will turn red, our attendants know to get there, we, we track how long it takes to, to respond to somebody, we have fantastic scorecards and metrics, so that all of our franchises can always be improving, um, the lighting uh, lets the attendants know whether somebody's playing a game that might be very prone to bumping into walls, so they can put some extra um, uh, kind of value or add some more service there, but ultimately, it doesn't ever detract from from the ambience of this place we've got music playing you know attendance are super friendly uh i mean i guess that, that's what everyone will always say we've got awesome ambience but you, you just got to try it out have, have, come down to waterloo i'll, I'll, I'll show you around <laughs> it's amazing how much that has an effect on someone especially if they're searching for a franchise they're more than likely going to visit one of your facilities and uh, you know they're going to look around and if it's just simply a bunch of booths, you know, they probably spend all day in their cubicle, so they certainly don't want to just walk into another one. But yep. you know, the ambiance is great, you know, and, and, and the help is, is fantastic. Uh, you know, that's what it's all about. That yeah, and as a franchisee, you don't go home smelling like burgers and fries. Yeah, exactly. That's what I tell my prospective employees as well. You tired of coming home smelling like a French fry? Come on over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My teenage son comes home smelling like a French fry and chicken every single day. <laughs> now, what, what you were talking about to me kind of leads to the question of, of quality of business and, and good versus great in terms of customer service. You talked about metrics where you can constantly have improvement. What do you think are the key components of, of great to good, good to great? Yeah, I like that you use those terms because they remind me of that book by Jim Collins uh, called Good to Great, uh, which I personally love. Uh, as a franchise system, we've adopted Traction by Gina Wickman. Um, and we're, we're always reading cool stuff. Like I, I just rolled out with some of the marketing team, Free PR from Cameron Harold. Um, he's from 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Um, and now, I don't know if you guys were at the IFA conference, but I saw Jay Bear there talking about talk triggers. Loved that talk. Um, anyways, so... What makes the difference between a good and a great franchisee? All, like ultimately, it all boils down to uh, to commitment and engagement in earnest. You know, because you you truly believe in the mission and you truly believe in the brand. You know, I'm not going to say that this guy is going to be a better franchisee because he's marketing on Facebook versus this one that's marketing on Instagram. These are semantics. Um, it's 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 your your involvement and your passion, your commitment to the mission, to getting out into the community, to changing the world, um, to bringing uh, bringing VR to things like medicine and education and training. Well, we touched on that before. What are some applications of VR outside of the gaming industry? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, really the sky's the limit. Uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk about using it for training. So if, if you're a company that has... Uh, heavy equipment, dangerous equipment, chemicals, things like that, and you want to train people that are just learning, um, 
you could do it in VR where it's safer, you know, or if you have equipment that is, uh, is better out in the world earning revenue, then you train them in VR instead of pulling aside some of this equipment to train them on that. Um, there's a whole aspect of, of medicine where it could be, you know, doing um, research and operations and the surgeries and things like that through VR. But one of the most immediate ones that we're kind of ta uh, tackling here as part of Control V is its application towards education. So there's a lot of content coming out now that's education-based, chemistry, astronomy, biology, etc and you could do things that you couldn't do in real life you know if, if you're trying to learn about the solar system yeah you can open up a textbook or you can get in a vr and hold the sun and hold the earth and see literally what what the scale differences between them and then you can throw the earth around the sun and see how the physics of gravity affect the orbit right wow. uh, so uh, that's a big prerogative of ours, of ours, especially going into 2020 now, uh, is, is pushing out VR and trying to get it adopted by schools. Um, and we understand, especially now in Canada, there's a lot of turmoil within the educational system and strikes and things like that. But we don't want to forget about the the the. The, the meaning behind going to school is the education, right? We want to help the kids. So we're doing what we can to get this out there constantly planning. We got a war room with, uh, with writing all over the board, the mathematical formulas, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we make it work. I love that. Talk about engaging kids, Yeah. you know, in a hands-on virtual, virtually their hands are on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that would be so compelling. I would think. Oh, it is for sure. The kids love it. And I mean, ultimately it leads to residual revenue too, because they go home, mom and dad, I dissected a frog. Can I come to the arcade and shoot some robots too? You know, <laughs> um, but even, even outside of like very, uh, like tangible education, I guess, for lack of a better word, there's also the team building component and, you know, working to, to solve something in VR. Uh, VR has been around for a while. Yeah, it has. And I'm, I'm just curious, why hasn't it caught on more? Because it seems, I mean, it's obvious. If anytime, anyone who's put on goggles says, wow, this is fantastic. But then they don't seem to go much further with it. What, what do you think is holding it back? Is it the technology or something else? Um, what's, holding, what's holding VR back is Control V's pace of growth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like that. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, so you're, you're right. VR has been around for decades in many different forms. People have been playing around with it. But for the most part, a lot of it has been either test-based, you know, the software, or the hardware has been very clunky and not very consumer-ready. Um, so in 2016, when it was generally kind of announced at the C, uh, CES show that VR would be consumer-ready, that's when we sort of jumped on it. Ryan, Ryan called me and he's like, listen, this is coming out. I think it was like Mayish or so, or or June that it was coming out. Um, we need to pick this stuff up and, and launch an arcade, and it, it was really risky because there weren't any arcades. This the stuff wasn't released, um, and we weren't buying four of them like a lot of our competitors do. We bought sixteen, so it was a massive capital investment. We had to yeah. do all of our. Actually, I think we probably bought more than sixteen, twenty-three, um, because we had some backups and we did another uh, mobile uh, mobile deployment too. Um, so we had to do our research. And when we called some of these manufacturers, they said, yeah, you know, this like this is going to be for in-home use. Everyone's going to buy it in-home. You guys are nuts. Sure, take your stuff and play with it. And ultimately, what's happened is now the VR arcade industry has grown between us, our competitors, which we like to work closely with because we're, you know, all going towards the same mission. Um, and so the hardware manufacturers and the software manufacturers have added this component of arcades to their system and so uh now the this whole uptick that you're talking about ray is really dependent on people like us our mission to get it into pe other people's hands so they can see oh this isn't just like a five minute demo that i'm going to get in a you know on a, like a moving egg down some hallway in a las vegas uh um hotel right this is this is a real thing it, it can be used for hours mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and so Basically, you're saying uh, some of it is the technology, which and the computer architecture has grown exponentially over the last several, well, decades, I guess, but uh, as well as information, that has been the problem with a lot of uh, uh, computer programs as well as VR is uh, being able to get that flow of information into the computer and actually uh, deal with it. So uh, I think we are at a state now, you know, uh, where it certainly seems like it'd be much more viable than it has mm -hmm. been in the past. 
Yeah. I mean, there, there are VR headsets that just require the headset, you know, they're battery powered and all the computing is done in there. They mm-hmm. have the, they have their limitation, like your battery is going to run out in two hours or whatever it is. Um, and there isn't as much uh, like storage space. And then you got to worry about how do you connect with friends? If you can connect with friends to do multiplayer stuff, the stuff that we use at control V is top of the line. It, it does require a computer to run along with it. It is an expensive computer. They run like two to $3,000. They're GPUs again, using terminology, graphics processing units, right, right. these things, are like cooled with with liquid can you believe that running liquid through electronics (laughs) (laughs) like who does i guess i guess that's where we're at now you got a cool stuff yeah Yeah. the gaming world is 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 another part of uh uh, you know computers completely and and i know my my youngest boy is involved in things like that and he's always telling me about all the fancy equipment he's got what do you need that for? I mean, all I need it for is a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what I use computers to spreadsheet, right? And and then yeah. I dream about them. I'm stuck in like an Excel cell, and I need to move <laughs> the cells back and forth that's to right. get out. That's right. yeah. <laughs> totally different. Totally different. <laughs> that's too funny. So, if I'm a franchisee in terms of technology, what am I looking at in terms of upgrades and costs going forward? And how often? I mean, technology changes so quickly. Mm-hmm. Is it software that you're having to update and upgrade more often than hardware? Or what does a franchisee look at in terms of keeping up with it? Okay, so from a software perspective, there's kind of two angles in our world. We have software that we've developed uh, as, as operational software. It helps us keep our um, labor costs low. It helps the efficiency of the arcade, the customer satisfaction. We've got a team that's always building and upgrading it. And it's sort of included as part of the franchise fee. So, you know, there's Ryan and, and team are always releasing new updates. Like it literally feels like every week. So there's, there's no issue there. In terms of the games, um, there's, I think for the HTC Vive, there must be like north of 3000 games available. Um, we do screen them and we do vet them. So we don't take any game willy-nilly you know it's got to have replayability it's got to be polished um it's got to you know we've got to be able to negotiate uh an agreement with the developers so we do everything above board and ethically so there's no piracy going on mm-hmm. um and so we've got this library and the developers will upgrade those games and if for some reason the game just gets shelved by the developer we'll move on to something that is replaces it from a hardware perspective yeah there's always upgrades coming um every one of our locations when they set up they will buy the top of the line hardware to future proof them as much as they can so our oldest location which is now pushing um four years uh hasn't needed any uh is it four years yeah 2016 um hasn't needed any hardware upgrades on the computer right Mm -hmm. um you know there's you know once in a while maybe something will overheat we need to replace it but it isn't as a result of uh the hardware that we have being not satisfactory enough to run the content right Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean we can upgrade it um but it's got to go in line with the games right so if the the games are requiring more power we've got to make sure that the, the hardware suffices so that's why you're located in Canada, because you can just use the natural cooling from the outside for your computer. <laughs> that's exactly what we do to cool our systems. We just open the windows and let the uh, let the snow come in, right? And then yeah. when we're done, we're like I, I hike with my snowshoes down to my igloo and drink a Coca-Cola with my polar bears. Where do you see the picture? Wait, 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 wait. Time. Okay. Uh, is it time? Is it time? Yes, yeah, time. Right, go ahead, Fred. Do your thing. Fine. Still want to thank the Link Local Network. Uh, we have a, a question that from uh, our listeners that I'll come back to after we get back. But now a word from a sponsor. Are you, Are you thinking, thinking about opening a business? business? Whether, Whether you're in transition, transition from a corporate, corporate job, looking to generate investment, investment income, income Add to your existing business or just too young to retire? Come to the Great American Franchise Expo and explore your options. Meet face-to-face with dozens of franchise executives representing dozens of quality brands. A wide range of price points and ownership models are available. Attend our free seminars on accounting, real estate, and marketing. Franchise law experts will be there to answer your questions, and banks are on hand to discuss loans and financing. The first 100 attendees will receive free VR goggles. For free tickets, visit www.franexpousa.com. 
And the next uh, Fran Expo uh, USA.com is in Tampa. And that's March 14th and 15th. You can go to uh, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash Fran Expo USA.com for those of you who are old and computer challenged. And now a word from you. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And we're back. And as Nick said last time he was on the show, here's the book. You can get a copy of the Franchise X or MBA and a set of VR gear. So fill out the form on pillarsoffranchising.com and... We'll get you all that stuff. Now, Ray, you can take the question that you wanted to take. Okay. So where where do you see the future of the company going? Which direction? Uh, I mean, you talked a little bit about other things in, in VR, such as training and you know things like that. Do you see your company branching off into something like that or, or strictly uh, entertainment? Yeah, so we're we're going down the path of uh, entertainment and gaming right now because it seems to be the more the most ubiquitous amongst uh, people. Like they they understand this gaming, you know, even board games people get it. Right across the street here at the University of Waterloo, we have uh, the Games Institute, and so people get this stuff. And that's the path that we're going down to get it adopted. Once once it's adopted and people are familiar with it, who knows which way it can go? Right. Our our mission is to expand the adoption of immersive technology. Maybe maybe VR starts to spiral off into augmented reality maybe it stays vr and it starts to get um consumed more broadly and more frequently um so we're we're very lucky that we're, we're privy to a lot of the things that are happening in the industry and can sort of stay ahead of the curve um but who knows right now we're, we're focusing on on growth specifically through franchising hmm. what, what do you think is holding it back right now i mean generally vr and speaking in from general terms what do you think is holding it back i know we did talk a little bit about that the technology but right now why doesn't everybody have some you know vr goggles in 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 their home and enjoying a walkthrough through a a potential uh real estate site or something like that Mm -hmm. well i think uh there's a few things that are kind of stifling it um one could be the cost i mean there's some vr goggles that are expensive and some that are very affordable uh so for for some for the untrained eye when you're looking at something you may not know if this is top line bottom line expensive or not um the other thing is um if oftentimes if there isn't multiplayer capabilities the novelty dies off very fast uh the other big thing that we've kind of noticed is because it's been around for so long people have this predisposed notion of it constantly being you know the future right like like artificial <laughs> yeah. intelligence we're gonna have robots that are right, making right. me <laughs> eggs or something i don't know that's true that's true elizabeth go you, yeah. you got <laughs> so in, in terms of starting something new you talked about them uh not wanting to sell you all those because they thought they were going to be in everybody's home. How, how do you look at dealing with adversity, people who doubt you and, and society's view on failure? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, Oh God, what a loaded question. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, there's always the, you know, the, the story that everyone heard about, you know, Michael Jordan gets cut from the team. Walt Disney gets fired because he's not going to be a, a cartoonist or whatever it is that happens all the time. You know, we hear about this happening with big celebrities who made, made it massive and created something like Disney or, or, you know, uh, the Chicago bulls. Um, but it happens all the time. And it happened to me too. I was, I was working um, in the buy side investment industry in Canada version of wall street doing a ton of different things everything from accounting to client relations and even getting into the actual investment world and like you said elizabeth determining the difference between a good and a great company and ultimately at the end of the day they said um 
listen, you're, you're never going to become an investment analyst because you do not have the potential to understand the economics of a business. Oh. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, they're taking all my reports and investing in these businesses. I'm like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm just going to start one and show you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that sort of spirals off into um, society's kind of view on failure, which I think is a little misguided in my opinion. Um, my opinion solely is a lot of times when you hear people talking about failure, you hear, don't be afraid to fail, right? Mm -hmm. Fail, fail cheap, fail fast. Um, and I understand the sentiment behind it, but sometimes I feel, especially very young and naive entrepreneurs, misinterpret it. They kind of think of it as, okay, it's so okay to fail that I'm just going to do anything and everything and just continue failing. And they do it without um, taking the appropriate steps to do the research right like and mitigating the failure because failure really sucks like you you lose money you could lose your family your friends your pride whatever it is right you don't want to fail and it's not that fear should drive you uh should keep you away from trying something but don't just go try something make sure you do your research make sure you you understand the market that's that's something that we did with with control v before we we opened it wasn't just like let's buy this stuff and lease a place and figure out what people are going to pay for we did just tons and tons of of work beyond that right if you fail the only thing that's going to keep you going is miles and miles of heart you know you can get knocked down all this sort of stuff but that doesn't mean in my opinion that you should just do anything and everything do your research think about it you know don't be swayed by this you know it's it's okay to fail actually failure is cool high five so let's just go out and fail so that we can be part of the the in crowd of of failures Right. Well, and I, I think that's that's an interesting perspective, too, because when I was in college, I had to apply to the creative writing program mm -hmm. and I submitted the same work to two different professors. Mm -hmm. One said, you suck, you're horrible, you're sentimental, find another major. The other one said, this is great. I think you're wonderful. Welcome to the program. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so when you're looking at those things and you, you were told the same thing when when they said you're never going to be, you know, an investment person belief in yourself, like knowing what you're good at, being able to have enough self-awareness to recognize whether you should or shouldn't veer your path. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that's, that's a hard thing when you're 20. It's a hard, I mean, it's a hard thing when you're 40, yeah. but um, recognizing that, that someone, writers are egomaniacal people. So you have to really take them with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, Elizabeth, a really, really great point because you, you had two different opinions there, right? And if you only heard the one opinion where they said nothing's going to happen, you'd be like that athlete that just taps out at the end of the first quarter and said, oh, I'm done. That's it. Got to go do something else. Going to go yeah. sling hot dogs or whatever, right? But when you go to another one, you get a second opinion, you keep trying and you just you push and you adjust and you pivot. You know, I mean, obviously, there's something to be said about the viability of an idea, you know, right. like you can have a stupid idea, but, um, you know, that's, that's what's going to keep you going. Right. Well, and I, I have them in a scrapbook side by side because I oh, thought perfect. it was <laughs> I want these both. I saved the rejection letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. when my kids go through the same struggles, I'm like, look, you know, you, you got to know what you're going to do. For sure. Absolutely. One of the things that came to mind when we were talking about failure was simply, it's okay to fail. You've got to learn something from it. If Absolutely. you don't learn something from your failure, then you know, you, you, you're never going to succeed because you have to learn something from everything. That's and, right. You'll, you'll go fail again. You'll be like, yeah, I failed. Exactly. I didn't learn anything because I wasn't open to learning anything. I'm just failing because society has told me it's cool and I'm going to go do something else and just continue failing over and over, probably on somebody else's dime. Yep. That's right. Yep. And it's unfortunate too, a lot of uh, franchises fail simply because they didn't realize that they need to spend a little bit more money than they had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if, if you come up to a recession, which my, my franchise did, and I was, I wasn't willing to say, well, you know, I spent all I thought I should spend. So therefore I'm not going to go any further. I'm just going to close the business. And that's what happens to a lot of people. Yeah. You've got to say, okay, so we're, we're running into a little bit of a downturn. I'm going to withdraw more money than I thought I needed and go ahead and spend it. And it turned out well, it turned out well.
Absolutely. We, we, we've made mistakes, right? We've learned from them. There's been a number of times where I'm just like eating my emotions and consuming entire rotisserie chickens or <laughs> crying myself to sleep and eventually leading to the invention of like a tear absorbing pillowcase. Um, but rather than just shutting down the business, we got to figure out a way to fix this and, and move forward. And, and we talked a little bit about people. You talked about Elizabeth, about uh, your two, two different papers. In the, in the fourth grade, my teacher told me or actually told my parents I was retarded. When I got to the fifth grade, my teachers told my parents that I was a genius. So we, uh, nothing changed. I'm still the same person, but you know, opinions yeah. matter. Yeah. One of my husband's best friends was told in high school that he was uneducable. Uneducable, uneducable. Yeah, right. okay. He's never lived that down and he's doing quite well. So <laughs> who says that to a kid? Rudinger wave equations and, and quantum mechanics a particle can be in multiple places at once. So it's all true. Depending. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what's, what's happening? Quantum mechanics? <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, you're, you're raising the level too high there, Fred. <laughs> always make a, I could always make a heads. A friend of mine who was very, very smart um, in finance, financial systems, explode when I'd start talking about Heisenberg uncertainty principles. Um, oh yeah, I'm not going to go there. Instead, now you have to keep this one short because we still get to need, get Ray's last question and the down the rabbit hole question. Okay. Why are you so passionate? This is the question from Facebook about unit level economics. Mm. <laughs> Um, so short answer, obviously, um, to me, the unit level economics of a business drive its lifeblood. You know, if you can structure a business properly from a financial perspective, um, there's there's a better chance of it working than uh, than not working. You know, there's there's more components to the way you got to do your brand and your operations and all that sort of stuff. Um, but this is just the, the world that I grew up in. You know, I'm an economics major. I worked in the financial sector, crunching through this stuff and looking for that tiny gem that could potentially change the business, change the franchise system, change the world. Ah, I feel like a gumshoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this sort of takes sometimes just a small segment of that business. Yep, that's right. Hopefully, that makes those in San Diego very happy. San Diego, reach out to me. We're going to talk on the phone together. I will talk your ear off about unit level economics. <laughs> a whole new show on it. It'll yeah. Be and IP addresses. Yeah, we'll talk about unit level economics and IP addresses, JSON, APIs, photons, pew, pew, pew. Certainly, <laughs> principle. Yeah, I get it. I'm done. So we'll get Heisenberg involved too. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll br bring Ohm as well, but he might provide some resistance. <laughs> I'm done with that. <laughs> wow. I'd start flat. I would have had graphics to flash the equations up. I used to hate. Um, <coughs> it wasn't bad. It was uh, the other one that uh, one that was really a pain in the ass. But we won't go with it. So, just want to tell people that they can, if they have a down the rabbit hole question they would like to have asked, uh, they can fill out the form, and we'll post it up there. Uh, so now we're going to go down the rabbit hole. So I got to how. To me, this is a really question. Touched on it, but how will Control V ultimately thwart the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> yeah. So the way Control V will thwart the zombie apocalypse is by getting everyone into our arcades to play a zombie shooter game and prepare them to <laughs> battle the zombies. Right? Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Feed, uh, teach a man to fish, sell him fishing equipment for the rest of his life. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Zombie, sell them ammo. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth, before Ray gets his last question, you get the post apocalypse last question. <laughs> the post apocalypse last question. <laughs> Having three college age children, what would be your biggest piece of advice upon graduation? Um, get right to it. Like what it, whatever, whatever your idea is, um, whether it's, you know, tear absorbing pillowcases or getting to work or whatever, 
get to it. You know, you have a lot of, lot of life left to do stuff. So it's never too late, but why not start earlier? You know? Sounds good. So are we ready? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So the question is now we got everybody's interest really peaked. How do they get a hold of you? And, you know, start investing in, in your franchise? Um, okay, that's easy. Uh, so my name is Robert Bruski. You can find me on LinkedIn, Robert Bruski, or you can email me at ilovevr at controlv.ca or ilovevr at controlvrk.com or franchising at controlv.ca or franchising at controlv.com. Just email everything, okay? Everywhere. Ray asked, says the comment if you'll send us a list of those email addresses we'll post them on the program thank you or alternatively you can pull like a rocky balboa and just open your window and yell for adrian (laughs) california you get weird returns Folks, I want to thank Robert Bruski, my co-host Elizabeth Denham, and Ray Pillar. This has been. Pillars, pillars.